been a lot of prayers for in a short amount of time. It's good. It's all good. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray a simple and direct prayer. I pray that you put, bless Pastor Steve during his sermon. May you be able to give him the ability to share your message to us through him and that through that message we may grow closer to you, learn more about you, and be more loving to you and to those around us. In your name we pray, amen. We are continuing this story of the Jesus Storybook Bible, the series that's going through all the various stories, 43 of them. And just recently, we were talking about Abraham last week, and Abraham trusting the word of the Lord that he would bring about what he had promised. It's this transition that we had from kind of pre- historic history, you could say, prehistory, to the beginning of blessing where we see the nation of Israel really beginning to be formed. And today we continue that story in Genesis 22. Uh, and if you want to follow along in the Jesus Storybook Bible, it's a story called The Present. So let's read from there this morning. God knew that his secret rescue plan could only work if Abraham trusted him completely. God had to make sure Abraham would do whatever he asked. So a few years later, God asked Abraham to give him a present. Abraham liked giving presents to God. He gave God his animals. They were called sacrifices. And they were a way to say, I love you to God. But this time, God didn't want a lamb or a goat. God wanted Abraham to give him something more, much more. He wanted Abraham to give him his son, his only son, the son he loved, Isaac. Put his boy on the altar and kill him as a sacrifice? How could God want him to do such a terrible thing? Abraham didn't understand, but he knew that God was his father who loved him. And so Abraham trusted him. Early the next morning, Abraham and Isaac set off. They climbed the steep, stony trail up the mountain. Isaac carried the wood on his back. His father carried the knife and the coals. Papa, Isaac said, we have everything except we forgot the lamb for the sacrifice. God will give us the lamb, son, Abraham said. They built an altar and laid the wood on top. Abraham asked his son to climb on top of the wood. Isaac didn't understand, but he knew his father loved him. And so he trusted him. He climbed up on the altar and Abraham tied his boy to the wood. Isaac didn't struggle or try to run away. He just lay there quietly and didn't make a sound. Everything was ready. 
Abraham took the knife. Tears were filling in his eyes and pain was filling up in his heart. And his hand was shaking. He lifted the knife high into the air. Stop! God said, don't hurt the boy. I want him to live and not die. I know that you love me because you would have given me your only son. Abraham felt his heart leap with joy. He unbound Isaac and folded him in his arms. Great sobs shook the old man's whole body. Scalding tears filled his eyes. And for a long time, they stayed there just like that in each other's arms. Suddenly, Abraham saw a ram caught in some brambles. A sacrifice. God had given them what they needed just in time. The ram would die so that Isaac didn't have to. And so Abraham sacrificed the ram instead of his son. And as they sat there on the mountaintop watching the embers of fire die in the cool night air, the stars above them were sparkling in the velvet sky. God helped Abraham and Isaac understand something. God wanted his people to live not die. God wanted to rescue his people, not to punish them, but they must trust him. One day someone will be born into your family, God promised, and he will bring happiness to the whole world. God was getting ready to give the whole world a wonderful present. It would be God's way of telling his people, I love you. Many years later, another son would climb another hill, carrying wood on his back. Like Isaac, he would trust his father and do what his father asked. He wouldn't struggle or run away. Who was he? God's son. His only son, the son he loved. The Lamb of God. As we begin thinking about uh, this passage in Genesis 22, I want us to think and look at one of the words right here. This word, tested. When we experience and see the word tested, God tested Abraham. I think it's a word that sometimes brings anxiety in our minds. Last week, we experienced a profession of faith, and, and Randy and I met with Stephanie, and we wanted to hear about her relationship with God. It was not a specific test. I've, I've heard of professions of faith in years earlier that a pastor shared with me, and it was actually his own uh, profession of faith which he's about 80 years old right now, he said, they didn't ask any questions about my belief in Jesus. They just wanted to know and test me if I could answer questions based on the Heidelberg Catechism. I think things have gone a long way from recognizing that profession in faith is 
our trust in Christ and some of that knowledge that will come will come over time. I'm pretty sure Stephanie was very pleased that I didn't say recite Heidelberg Catechism question number 56 for me from memory. Testing one another. Tests are something that happen all throughout life. As school is beginning and as Mindy prayed for our students and teachers, one of the ways that teachers try to gain understanding of, of, or understanding of what the students know is to give them tests. I'm sure college professors do the same thing. They want to test comprehension. Do you understand the material? And perhaps we all have stories of being tested by a certain professor or a certain teacher who always had difficult tests. When we're tested in those things, we always have to give something up. It's giving something up from our mind. It's, it's the knowledge that we need to give up. But the test that God has in mind for Abraham is a little bit different. Yes, it's a test of giving something up, but it's not giving up knowledge. It's not going to be an easy answer to this test. And so he says, go. Go to the region of Moriah. That center area right there. Honestly, this word right here, this word go, is, in, is, is something I want to highlight. And then this, I will show you. When we think about the passage that we looked at last week, Genesis chapter 12, God said to Abraham, go. Go from the, the land that you're in, from the people that you know, to the land that I will show you. These are, are words and phrases that are supposed to help us be reminded of what happened earlier. The blessing that was supposed to be coming upon Abraham and his family. And in fact, this word go is, is the same word that was used in, in chapter 12. Go to the region of Moriah. To the mountain I will show you. And there you are to sacrifice your son. Your only son. The one who you love. The Lord would show him where to do it. And it's interesting. Oftentimes when you give a student tests, perhaps there'll be questions that are asked. What's going to be on the test? How much time do we have to study for it? When is it going to be? Perhaps even, too, when the test is, is taking place, there'll be some, some clarifying questions that, that they'll want to ask. Abraham doesn't ask any questions. Abraham begins the journey. He, 
he cuts the wood, he gets the supplies ready, and they, they leave the next morning. No questions asked, just straight obedience. You know, the thing about it, though, is Abraham must have known something about the region of Moriah because he knew he had to bring wood. The only other time the word, uh, uh, the place of Moriah is mentioned is actually it's by Jerusalem, and this is an area that is, is ripe and full of trees. So I think it's just coincidence that that region is named right there because I think this must be a different place because there's no trees there. Abraham has to bring them. And after walking and hiking for, for three days, it's not quite as, as short of a, of a journey that the Jesus storybook makes it out to seem. There's actually other, two other young men that go along helping carry the stuff to this region of Moriah. After three days of walking, Abraham looks up and he sees the place. The place that, that God was going to show him after walking for three days, foot after foot, mile after mile. Abraham, they leave the two other men, the young men and the donkey. And Abraham takes Isaac and heads up the mountain. It seems like everything that Abraham had been promised comes down to this moment of what's going to happen in the next few moments. Is Abraham going to trust God and follow through? with what God is asking him to do. And perhaps we have questions of why. Why, why would, would God even ask him to do such a thing? Why would God put an obstacle in the path of Abraham that was slaying his own son? Perhaps Like last week, Abraham may have been wondering if the promises of God were beginning to slip away. And I think that might have been the entire point. When we think of child sacrifice and, and why would God ask him to do something like that, we also need to remember that this was written in a different time than today. There's, there's this time... Uh, then when it was rightfully in the mind and the ability of a deity to ask for a life. It was something that was often asked of, of those who were fertility gods. It was seen as a way of, of ensuring the future fertility of the people to give something back to their gods. So this idea of of Abraham sacrificing his son probably was not as jarring to him as it was or is to us. It was right for the deity. In the land of, of uh, Canaan, a God who provided for fertility would often demand a portion of what is produced, and that was seen in multiple ways. We would see it as animal sacrifices and grain offerings and, and even child sacrifices. Texts from the Phoenician colonies too describe this ritual of child sacrifice. 
it doesn't mean it's good because later in Deuteronomy and Leviticus, it's strictly um, argued against. But the unfortunate thing is that means it was still prevalent in the world. But what would be the purpose? What would be the purpose of asking Abraham to do such a thing? And I think it was to recognize and understand is Abraham following God because of the promises? Because of the, the blessing that would happen? That if he knows, well, I'll follow God and I know that there's blessing that will take place and, and so on. Or, or is Abraham following God because he loves God? Which, which thing has, has Abraham become more attached to? Has he become more attached to the promises that flow from God? Or, or is he attached to God himself? And this isn't the first time that we could say that, that God has, has tested Abraham. When, when we think of, of all the other things that uh, God has asked Abraham to do, leave his land and at the age of 75, yeah, he could take his things along, but he was leaving someplace. He was leaving his family. God was saying, well, do you trust me enough to leave your family? But even with that, Abraham was gaining something. He was gaining a whole new family. He was, he was gaining the promise of having children and grandchildren and a whole new family. He was leaving a land, but then he was going to be gaining a land. It seems like some of these tests have something to balance out the equation. When a family is lost, a family is gained. When the land is lost, a, a land is gained. Most other instances, just like those where God asks Abraham to do something, there is actually more to gain because of the promises of the but here, I don't know if there's anything to gain. There doesn't seem to be something to balance the loss and the sacrifice of a son for Abraham. So the question is, what was Abraham's motivation? Was it the promises of the covenant? Or was it his love for God? So Abraham and his son, they, they separate from these two other young men and the donkey and they begin this journey walking up the mountain. And this is where I think in the story that we realize that Isaac isn't just a little boy. Because it's Isaac who is loaded up with all of the wood needed for the sacrifice. Maybe a young teenager, not a six or eight year old boy. We get kind of hints of this too in, in the last verse, I believe, verse 34 of chapter 21, where it says, Abraham stayed many years or many days in this place. So we know that there's been many days, this large time period that has passed before he is to offer Isaac up 
to God. So we have this young, strapping boy able to carry all the wood needed for the sacrifice and going up. And it's interesting that Abraham just calls him boy. You guys stay here while me and the boy go and worship. Was he somehow distancing himself from what he needed to do? Instead of calling him Isaac, his son, just saying boy. And so they, they get up to the place, they climb the mountain, and as they're going, Isaac kind of looks around, and he's like, Dad, we have the wood, and we have the knife, and we have the fire, but where is the sacrifice? And we get this answer. God Himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. It's an interesting turn of phrase the way it's, it's written there, I think. The Lord will provide. That's a phrase that will be re- repeated later as Abraham names the place. On the mountain of the Lord, the Lord provides. But this other part, God Himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. Makes you wonder, was that the answer to Isaac's question? Or was that him directing that last phrase to Isaac? It's almost this this double meaning. There's this trust in God, but then there's also God will provide the lamb for the burnt offering. My son. Trusting in what God had asked him to do. At one point, some type of statement of confidence that the Lord will provide, but then adding those two words in makes you wonder, Sounds like he's going to lay his son on the altar. And so Isaac is put on the altar and tied down. And he lays in wait. And just at the last possible moment, just after Abraham probably had convinced himself in his heart that he was going to thrust down the knife, God intervenes. God intervenes and says, stop, don't, don't do that. Don't follow through. I, now I know, now I know that you trust me. The whole purpose, even though God is all-knowing, is to test Abram to find his motivation to understand what what Abraham is actually willing to give up. Is Abraham willing to give it up at all? And so then later we see this, Abraham calls that place the Lord will provide. And so uh, to this day it's said, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. This is, is an interesting time because at this time, 
it was believed that there's many gods and that people would, would follow many gods and that gods were in charge of different things. There was gods that were in charge of these large, big, universe-type picture of life. Gods that would look over the long course of the world and oversee those things. And then there were gods that would look over specific moments like fertility and growth and rain and all of these various things. But, but now, Abraham's getting a bigger picture of who God is. God is, is the one, Yahweh's the one over the big picture, the, the big picture of blessing. But here, God too is the God over the moments. On the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided the God who is in charge of those small moments of time, gaining this bigger picture. Because to be honest, at this point in time, Abraham hadn't been introduced to the idea of monotheism. God is taking him through things to help him understand that he doesn't need any other gods in his life. He can trust Yahweh. For it all. It's interesting too when we look at this story the way the Jesus storybook Bible did. To mirror Jacob, or sorry, Miri Jesus and Isaac. God was so concerned too that he would would send His one and only Son, the Son He loved, to the world. In a mirror-like fashion, we would see just how Isaac was the one who carried the wood for the sacrifice up the hill that Jesus too would have the cross strapped to His back and carry that towards His mountain for his own sacrifice. Just as Isaac was the dearly loved son of the father, so Jesus is the dearly loved son of the father. And a realization that somewhere down the line in Abraham's family, there would be one there would be one who was going to come, sacrifice it all so that all would be gained. The Son, not Isaac, Jesus, who sacrificed it all, willingly trusting and listening to the Father so that we would be able to live as living sacrifices. Think about Isaac. He was supposed to be the sacrifice, but then he got down. Isaac was a living sacrifice of sorts. One who, who possibly would have died but was spared by a goat. And in the same way, we are, are living sacrifices as individuals who are, are destined to die, but have been spared in eternal death by Jesus Christ. 
We read that in Romans 12. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as living sacrifices. You're holy and acceptable, holy and acceptable to God. When, when the Father gives us His grace through Jesus Christ, it is us too that are in essence figuratively laid on the altar and we rise again as living sacrifices to the Lord. And, and He asks us, perhaps, are you following just because of the benefits and the promises or are you following because you truly love Me? What are, what are you willing to give up? It's the same question that Jesus would ask his, uh, his followers, too. As, as Jesus would, would ask individuals that would come up to him and say, Lord, I want to follow you. And to the rich young ruler, he said, go and sell all your belongings and then follow me. But the rich young ruler wasn't willing to sacrifice all for Jesus. He went away sad because he had a lot. A living sacrifice, willing to give up whatever's in our life that God is asking us to give up. So that we don't conform to the same world and the principles of this world, but instead conform to the principles of His kingdom, which is here and at the same time not fully here. We, we live sacrificial lives so that others can experience God's mercy, His love, His peace, His justice. A living sacrifice that conforms to His kingdom rather than some other kingdom. I pledge allegiance to Jesus Christ and that which His kingdom stands for. There is one authority that we acknowledge when we sacrifice it all. So what does that look like? living sacrificially today? What does it look like when our willingness is to give up anything that we have in order to bring about God's kingdom more fully in our lives and into the lives of others? I decided this morning I'm going to get off social media. That's <laughs> telling Emily this. I just see too many things that are unhelpful. And it makes me wonder, do our posts help others experience more of God's kingdom? Do people experience God's mercy, His grace, His justice through what we post? Do people experience the restoration of God when we post a meme? I wonder... I wonder if perhaps that's what we're called to do. I wouldn't necessarily say that's a huge sacrifice.
I wonder what does it look like to live this week as a living sacrifice? When, when our ears and our eyes interact with various news sources and receive information, What, is it, what does it mean to be a living sacrifice and have our brains fully enveloped with what it means to follow God? One thing's for sure. Radical change. A life that is sacrificially living for God isn't going to be easy. It wasn't easy for Abraham. But we have to remember that we too have received the grace. The grace of Christ which makes us a living sacrifice. A sacrifice that will live on for eternity. Because God wants his people to live and not die. God wants his people to flourish and to not be punished. Jesus died in your place. Receive that grace and then go on, just as Isaac did, as a living sacrifice. Let's pray. Lord, it's your spirit that speaks to each and every one of us, bringing about in our minds the ways we are to sacrifice of ourselves so that your kingdom may be more fully experienced not only in our lives, but also into the lives of others. So we pray that you would speak. Speak to us throughout this week and in the coming weeks. Allow your spirit to discern what is good in our lives. Allow your spirit to discern how we are to live. How we are to sacrificially give up of certain aspects of our life that don't point to you. How to, to turn and make a switch and, and cause those areas now then to point to your kingdom and what your kingdom is about. It's in Jesus' name that we pray, knowing that you hear and that you answer and that you will see to it that it happens in our lives. Amen. As we continue, invite the worship team up uh, as we conclude in song.